Hey, welcome to the Central Westland Church Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for downloading and thank you for listening. We hope that today you find God's Word to be encouraging, challenging, and inspiring your life today. We would love to connect with you through our Facebook page and Instagram page. All you got to do is look on Facebook or Instagram and search for Central Westland Church. Please know that we love you, we're praying for you, and we hope you enjoyed this week's message. What's happening, everybody? This is Michael Jernigan right here at Central Westland Church. Thank you so much for uh, listening and downloading our podcast. Check this out. We had some technical difficulties this week with our recording of our Sunday message. We missed about the first 10 minutes of the message. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to give you the Cliff Notes version of what you missed, and then we will pick up the recording uh, from Sunday morning during our Sunday morning service, which, by the way, we meet right here at Central Westland, 614 Hoover Street, Asheboro, North Carolina, 27203, every single Sunday at 10 o'clock. Come join us. We'd love to see you and meet your, you and your family. Uh, but today, I'm going to give you the Cliff Notes version of the first part of our Sunday message, and then we will pick up the recording in just a few minutes of where it picked up Sunday morning. So, if you missed it this past Sunday, we spent some time talking about control versus surrender. Uh, And I have a question for you today. How many of you listening are a self-professed control freak? Go ahead and raise your hand if you're in your car or if you're in your office or sitting on your couch. Go ahead and raise your hand. Raise it high. You don't have to be ashamed. You don't have to be um, embarrassed. It's okay. Um, If you're a control freak today, uh, first of all, that's not my term for you. I would never call you that. That's what the world calls you, um, a control freak. But if that's you today, I want you to know a couple things. One, I want you to know that you're not alone. You're not by yourself. There's a lot of us out there. There's a lot of us who like to have power, who like to have authority, who like to have control over situations, over people, over things going on. Um, And that's okay. That's what we're going to talk about this morning. Can I tell you today where I believe the modern day control freak started? Now, obviously, there's been people in control since the beginning of time. But I believe we can trace back the modern day controlling person to the invention of the remote control. Here's what I mean. Here's what I mean. You could have power over your whole house if you had the remote control. If you had control over the remote control, you controlled the whole house. And the best part about it was you could do it from sitting in your recliner. You didn't even have to get up to have power over the house. You didn't have to get up to have control over your family because you had that remote control. You determined what was on the TV. You determined if you're going to watch a Disney movie or a basketball game. You determined 
what the family was going to spend time watching on TV because you had the power of the remote control. Now, I think because of that invention in the, in the 80s and into the 90s, I think that is why a lot of us today have struggles and have troubles with being a controlling person was because we either had too much power with the remote control or we never had it with the remote control and we want it now. My mom and dad have apparently had this type of, of struggle in their house because right now today in 2023, if you go into my mom and dad's house, they know they don't have one remote control they have two remote controls for the same TV. They have one sitting beside my dad's chair and one sitting beside my mom's chair. So that way, I guess, they split the power. They divide the power 50-50 because um, they both have their own remote control. Um, let me share with you real quickly what I believe the ultimate test of letting go of control is. If you're a controlling person today, um, if you want to... If you want to have a test, if you want to see what it's like not to be in control, I would encourage you to go get in an airplane today. When you're in an airplane, your hands are off. You're at the mercy of God Almighty and that pilot, and that's it. Callie and I took a trip to Las Vegas about 12 years ago now, about 11, 11 12 years ago. We went to Las Vegas to see a magician. I love magic. She booked us a trip for my 30th birthday, and we went to Las Vegas to see this magician for my birthday. I'm a little shaky on planes, okay? Like, I am I admit I'm not the best flyer. My senses are heightened. Um, I try to be aware of everything going on. I'm aware of every sound, of every bump in the sky. Um, people try to tell me it's like, you know, hitting a bump in your car, true, but if I fell out of my car, I'd, I'd be okay. If I fall out of the plane, a total different story. So let me just say, coming, flying to Charlotte to Vegas was fine. It was great, wasn't that bumpy, no issues whatsoever. Flying back from Vegas to Charlotte, we come through a storm as the plane started to descend in Charlotte. And y'all, I'm telling you right now, that plane was flopping back and forth. I could see the wings on the on the far side of the plane when I was leaning down. Um, it was terrible. It was bumpy. The uh, flight attendants went back over the uh, emergency instructions while we were in the air. Callie said, Michael, they don't ever do this. They do this at the beginning of the flight, never during the flight. Um, so we, let me rephrase, I was a little shaky at this time thinking, what is going on? Callie told me before we left Las Vegas to come back to Charlotte, she said, Michael, I'm going to try to take a little nap. I said, no, you're not going to try to take a little nap. I said, you're going to be awake. Your eyes are going to be open. Your ears are going to be open. Your mind's going to be working. And if something goes down here, we're getting out of this deal. We're getting out of this. We're going to figure out something. She said, Michael, what are we going to do? I said, I don't know. I said, that's why you got to be alert. That's why you got to be awake and your senses have got to be firing on all cylinders. You've got to be ready just in case. So listen, those of you that have an issue with control, go get on a plane because you have none. You have no control in a plane. 
I want to spend a few minutes talking to you now, and then we'll pick up in our Sunday message, talking about control versus surrender. Jesus Christ calls us as followers and believers, as Christians, to be people that live a life of surrender to him. We're to be people that put our faith, that put our hope, that put our trust in Jesus and him alone because he alone can take care of us. Jesus says things like in Luke 14, he says, those of you who do not give up everything, you cannot be my disciples. He says in Matthew 10, anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. Jesus again says in Matthew 22, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And finally in Matthew 6, Jesus says these words, Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things, all the things that we try to control, all the things that we try to worry about all the things that we try to handle on our own all these things will be given to you as well therefore do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself each day has enough trouble of its own so there we see several examples and you could think of several more in scripture where jesus calls us to let go of control jesus calls us to deny ourselves Jesus calls us to give up and to follow him. The only thing that's required for Jesus to take care of us, the only thing that's required for the only one that can take care of us, the only one that can do for us what we need to have done for us is that of surrender, is that of surrender. I want to give you two examples this morning, give you two examples today of Jesus demonstrating surrender when he could have demonstrated control. The first one is found in Matthew chapter 4. It's the temptation of Jesus. It says this, Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Verse 7, Jesus answered him, It is also written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you bow down and worship me. Verse 10, Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and the angels came and attended him. That is the story of Jesus being tempted by the devil himself, by the enemy, by the tempter, by Satan himself in the wilderness. 
what we see there is we know that Jesus can could have very easily snapped his fingers and changed the whole situation. Jesus could have very easily snapped his fingers and been removed from the situation. Jesus could have very easily snapped his fingers and had the angels come down a little earlier to take care of his light work and to attend to him. And Jesus could have changed and controlled that whole situation. But what we see is that Jesus did not change or try to control the situation. What we see is that Jesus surrendered his will, surrendered his life, to God's word. Every time the enemies tempted uh, Jesus, Jesus responded with scripture. Jesus responded with a surrendered life to God's word. Instead of trying to control, we see Jesus being surrendered to the word of God. I wonder today, how would your life be different if instead of trying to control everything around you, You simply surrendered your life to God's word. Instead of trying to control people in your life today, you simply surrendered your life to God's word. We're going to pick up with the recording from Sunday morning right here. This is where it picked up. So thank you again for listening. I hope you have enjoyed. I hope you will continue to be encouraged Uh, by God's word and be challenged by God's word and let's pick up with Sunday morning right now husbands can you imagine what your family would look like if we followed God's word if we surrendered our lives surrendered our families surrendered our relationships and loved our wives protected our wives took care of our family the way the word calls you and I to do as husbands dads Would your life look any different? Would your kids look any different? Would your family look any different? If you loved and provided and took care of and cared for and showed compassion and forgave and led and taught and be the leader and the dad that the Scripture calls you to be? Would your job look any different if you were the disciple that the Word calls you to be? If you were to share your faith when the Word calls you to? If you were to love and to forgive an enemy when they do you wrong? I really believe today, if you and I would build our life and to surrender our life to God's Word and simply do what the Lord calls us to do, the good news is He's there to help us. Amen? He's there to help us to love when those hard-to-love people. Anybody got hard-to-love people in your life? You can say yes. You can't love them, but God can. Anybody got people in your life that done you wrong? You can't forgive, but God can. God doesn't call you. God's not going to lead you to surrender your life to his word and then not give you the ability and the power to actually live out and to follow his word. That's because he's that good. He's that good of a God. And here we see Jesus could have changed the whole situation. But what we see is he built his life. He surrendered his life on God's word. In Matthew 26, we see another example of Jesus surrendering his life to the Father's will. And it's uh, Matthew 26, verse 36 says this. Then Jesus went with his disciples into a a place called Gethsemane. 
Uh, and he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the, and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overcome, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little further, he fell with his face on the ground and prayed, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not my will, but your will be done. Verse 40, then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you, couldn't you men keep watch for me for one hour, he asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it is possible for this cup to be taken away, unless I drink it, may your will be done. When he came back, he again found the, the disciples sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. There we see Jesus right before his crucifixion. We see Jesus pray three different times. If possible, let this cup pass from me, but your will be done. Jesus goes and sees the disciples, come back the second time, prays the exact same prayer. Goes, finds the disciples sleeping a third time, and he comes back a third time and prays the exact same prayer. Lord, if possible, let this cup pass from me. You see kind of the battle between surrender and control? I believe today we all have times in our life where we're faced with that same battle. Whether we're going to take control of this or whether we're going to trust the Lord with this. I want to give you three things this morning. I want to give you three questions to answer. Three questions to ask when you're facing the temptation of control versus surrender. And I also today want to give you two challenges that living a surrendered life brings. Ready? Challenge number one. Living a surrendered life challenges your comfort. When you surrender your life to the Lord, when you can surrender your life to Jesus, when you follow the word of the Lord, when you deny yourself, when you pick up your cross, when you follow him, it will challenge your comforts. Look at these two stories here that we just read. How many of you know fasting for 40 days and 40 nights is not easy? How many of you know coming face to face with the enemy himself in temptation is not easy? How many of you know being beaten and uh, hit with a whip 39, with 39 lashes is not easy? How many of you know carrying a cross is not easy? How many of you know the nails in your wrist and the nails in your feet is not easy? How many of you know the crown, on your, the crown of thorns on your head hanging on a cross for six hours is not easy? But that was the life that Jesus surrendered for you and for me. When we follow Jesus, when we surrender our lives to Jesus, it will challenge your comfort. When you honestly and sincerely pray the prayer that Jesus prayed, not my will, but your will be done, you may get called to do things you're not ready to do. You may find yourself having conversations that you're not ready to have. You may find yourself having tough conversations that the Lord has led you into. You may find yourself giving forgiveness that you don't want to forgive. You may find yourself loving when you don't want to love. You may find yourself in situations where it looks like total failure, but the Lord led you there. How many of you know that when you're in the will of God, there's no such thing as failure? You guys don't know. You don't know. Let me try over here. 
Juan, help me out, buddy. How many of you know that when you're in the will of God, there is no such thing as failure? You know why there's no such thing as failure? Because you're in the will of God. You have the hope of glory there with you. You have protection. You have guidance. You have leading. You have the Lord Jesus Christ with you when you are in the will of God. There's no such thing as failure when you're in the will of God. You may not know it today, but the very building that you're sitting in, the very church that you're sitting in, you're here today. One of the reasons that you're here today is because there was a group of people that followed God's call and followed God's leading with the full knowledge that this may fail. I was one of those people. Many of you were as well. We knew God's leading us here. We also knew that we may mess this thing up. <laughs> Let me rephrase. I may mess this thing up. <laughs> we knew the Lord was leading and we knew there was a chance of failure. But in God's will, there's no such thing as failure. In God's will, you learn lessons. In God's will, you learn wisdom. In God's will, you grow closer to the Father so that even though it may not work out the way you think it's going to work out, no failure can be found because you are closer to the Father on the back end than you were on the front end. When you today are in the will of God, you cannot fail. Right? I try to teach my kid failure is going to happen. He does Taekwondo. I've told you guys, he does Taekwondo in Denton. He, uh, last year, he had a Taekwondo tournament. It was his first tournament he ever did. And he did a form. If you don't know what a form is, it's like a routine of punches, kicks, and blocks that you have to remember according to which belt you have. You know, the white belt, yellow belt, orange belt, blue belt, red belt, da 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 until you get to the black belt. Well, he had to memorize and learn the form for this competition. And he was nervous as could be. He was scared to death. We went to the competition. We had practiced at home. He had practiced at the, at the school. He had spent some time away from the school practicing. We got to the competition. He told me before he went up, he said, Daddy, I'm nervous. I said, that's good. I said, that's good. I said, don't let the nervous make you not focus. Make sure that nervous helps you focus. He said, okay. So there's about 12 or 15 students doing the form. He went up there, went through his form. And the way they did it, they called back the top three people that did the form. And then those three would do it again. And then they would pick a winner out of those three. So he got called back in the top three. And then he told me, he said, okay, daddy, I'm really nervous now. I said, I bet, buddy. I said, but do you know the form? He said, yeah. I said, you know it really good? He said, yeah. I said, you're fine. I said, go do the form as best as you could do it. So they went back up there. All three of those people redid their form. They went and sat down. The judges talked. They called back two this time that tied, and they need to redo the form again. And he was one of those two. I said, buddy, you got to go do it again. He said, are you serious? I said, yeah. I said, there's two of you. So he went back and did it again. They had them redo their form one more time. So they did it twice, just two of them. 
because the two were so closely matched together. They were both doing kind of the same deal. They couldn't hard to separate first from second. And so when it was all said and done, my man TJ got second place. Now, the disappointment come in because the first place winner got a sword. I don't think he cared as much about winning as he did about getting that sword. Can I just say, me and Mama, we're thankful for second place. <laughs> right? The last thing that kid needs is a sword. Let me just say. So he got second place. He come back down off the stage. I said, buddy, heck of a job. Wonderful job. Good job. I'm proud of you. He said, Daddy, I got second place. I really wanted first. I said, I know, buddy. This is our first time we really had a case of disappointment. This is the first time in, our, in his life where he was really disappointed in not getting something. And I took that opportunity to share with him. I said, Tej, do you remember three weeks ago? Remember a month ago? Remember a month and a half ago when you started practicing this form? You remember how terrible you were? He said, yeah, I was, wasn't no good. I said, you see how good you are now? You know the movement. You do it. Your leg's in the right spot. Your hand's in the right spot. You do it with power and focus and all the stuff that Master Freeman teaches you. You've learned this form over the last several months, and you've gotten pretty good at the form, so good, as a matter of fact, that you did beat out everybody else except for one person. I said, you have gotten so much better in these last six weeks than you were six weeks ago. I said, son, today you did not fail. You got good today. I said, what you do is you take this, what, this feeling that you have, this feeling of failure, and you make sure at next year's tournament, you don't feel it again. When that happens, failure is not an option. Failure does not happen. When you're in the will of God, when you're following the Lord, when you're surrendered to God Almighty, failure is not a thing because you're in the will of God. You are much safer today. You are in a much better place today in the will of God, facing the chaos all around you than you are in peace without. Because in the will of God, there is no such thing as failure. Number two, the second challenge that a surrendered life gives you, it will bring challenges to your choices. It will bring challenges to your choices. When you surrender your life to the Lord, your priorities will change. Amen? Think back to your life before you met the Lord. Think back to the day before you met the Lord. I hope that your life looks different today than it did then. My guess is your priorities are different. The way you think is different. Where you go is different. How you spend your time is different. The words you speak are different. The way you spend your money is different. The way you treat people is different. Because a surrendered life will challenge your choices. Can I share with you today that there is no such thing as a lukewarm, surrendered life? There's no such thing as a part-time Christian? Does that make sense? You can't be surrendered to the Lord on Sundays and not on Mondays. Is this new information for anybody? I hope not. I hope not. But I'm afraid when you look at the church across the, our country and across the world, it is. One of the biggest problems today in the church is part-time Christianity, is loving the Lord today and forgetting about Him tomorrow. 
There is no such thing as part-time Christianity in a surrendered life to the Lord. The Lord calls you to trust Him at all times. Sundays, Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, Fridays, Saturdays, and the following Sunday. The Lord is good all the time. The Lord provides all the time. The Lord cares all the time. The Lord loves all the time. And He's asking you, He's calling you, He's beckoning you, He's leading you to trust Him all the time. Not just when things are good. Or not just when things are bad. Jesus is there. He's available. He's with you all the time. When we surrender our lives to the Lord, it will change our priorities. I made a list one day of, I tried to make a list. I didn't do too good a job at this. <laughs> this is terrible. I tried to make a list one day of every thought that I had throughout the day. Anybody ever tried that? Don't. Because you'll spend all day writing. I did it till about lunchtime and I thought, I'm done with this. I'm going to go play golf or something. I'm move on. And then when you go play golf, you don't want to write down what you think. Right, fellas? Yeah. Yeah. So I wrote down thoughts that I had in the morning. I wrote down some thoughts I had mid-morning. I wrote down when I got to the office one day, I wrote down the thoughts that I had driving. And I thought, oh, this is terrible. But looking back at that a few weeks later, what I learned was this. The thoughts that I had that day when I charted, when I wrote them down, were a lot different thoughts than I had at 18 years old. It was a lot different thoughts than 21-year-old Michael had. It was a lot different thoughts than 25-year-old or even 30-year-old Michael had. Because living a surrendered life changes your priorities. It changes your choices. It changes your heart, it changes your mind, and it changes your life. Now I got three questions for you to answer this morning. If you're facing a situation where you are battling between between control and surrender, three questions you need to ask and answer today. Number one, answer the question, is it worth my concern? Is it really that big of a deal that I control this? Can I tell you something? The way the, the towels are folded in the closet is not that big of a deal. Right? <laughs> a couple of you are like, no, that is a big deal. The volume on the TV is not that big of a deal. Is it a little deal? Yes. But it's not that big of a deal. How many times do we make a big deal out of something that turns out to be worthless. Can I tell you what happens when you make a big deal out of not of a big deal? Division comes in. Unforgiveness comes in because you're dividing what you think is important to what turns out not to be important. When division comes in, that's quickly followed by unforgiveness. When unforgiveness comes in, that's a foothold, that's a stranglehold that the enemy has in your life. So make sure that the thing you're trying to control, first of all, make sure it's really that important. Make sure it's really a big deal. And if it's not, then who cares? Let it go! 
I'm not going to be in heaven yelling at Callie saying, why didn't you fold them towels right? Why didn't you heat my cookie up? <laughs> why didn't you wash my shoes right? It don't matter. The first question to ask is, is this really a big deal? Number two, number two, is this situation mine to control? Is this situation mine to control? This goes back to us trying to control things that are out of our control. Lots of times we try to control people, ain't going to happen. Lots of times we try to control situations that are out of our control. Now let me say this. Let me say this. A surrender life is not a surrender of responsibility. Does that make sense? A surrendered life is not a surrender of your responsibility. My kids, I got two kids. They're great. They're wonderful. They're gorgeous. They're smart. They were born already Christian. They were born going to heaven. They love the Lord. They love Jesus. And they love Roy Williams, best kid in the world. I would love to be able to just beat them kids to death so they would do what I want them to do. So they would turn out the way I want them to turn out. But that's not the way life works, Right? They have their own path. They have their own life. At eight and two, I can control a lot in their life. When they get to 28 and 22, that control is not going to be there the same. Here at 41, my mom and dad's control over me is not the same as it was at 11. But what they do have over me today is not control, but they do have influence. You, you today may not have control over people in your life, but you do have influence over the people in your life. You do have the ability to pray for and to love and to encourage and to influence a life change in their life. Now, listen, just because I surrender my family and my kids to the Lord, that does not mean they're not my responsibility anymore. Right? They're still mine. If I don't take care of them, Child Protective Services will still come to my house because they're my responsibility. If you surrender your finances to the Lord, that does not mean you can sit at home in your underwear, watching TV, eating Doritos all day. Life don't work like that, right? You still have responsibilities of being a mom, a dad, a husband, a wife, a human that you have to, that you are required to take care of. Having, living a surrender life means the control, not the responsibility. Make sense? Everybody follow? Look at me. Somebody give me a head nod. Yes or no? All right. Question number three, and then we'll be done. Question number three. Is this something that only God can handle? You need to be able to answer that question. Is this something that only God can handle? How many of you know there are situations in life where if God don't do it, it ain't getting done? If God doesn't meet the need, it ain't going to be met. If God doesn't provide, it's not going to be there. If God doesn't change it, it's not going to happen. If God doesn't move, we ain't none of us moving. Don't try to do God's work for him today. Let God do for you what only God can do for you. Let the Lord change your life as only he can. Let the Lord work in other people's life as only he can. Get out of God's way and let him do what he does much better than what we try to do his job for him. Amen? That's what a surrendered life looks like. 
somebody had to ask me to define and to describe a surrendered life, it would be get out of God's way. Let God do his thing. Let God do what God does better than anybody else. And you trust that he will do what he said he will do. And you trust that he is who he said he is. And you trust that he can and will and is more than enough to take care of you and everything that you're going through today. Amen. Come on up, band. I got one last story we're going to close with. There was a guy in history in the 15th century. His name was Ivan the Great. Ever heard of him? It's also known as Ivan the Terrible. <laughs> I don't know how you get both names. Must have had a bad guy turn like in a movie. Good guy gone bad or bad guy gone good. Let me tell you real quickly about Ivan the Great. He wanted to marry the uh, king of Greece's daughter. He wanted to marry the king of Greece's daughter. The problem was uh, she um, was a, a member of the Catholic Church. She was a Catholic uh, believer, and the church told her you cannot marry him, and she did not want to marry him unless he converted to Catholicism, unless he converted into the Catholic Church. So he got the Catholic priest to come by, teach him everything about the Catholic Church, teach him everything about the uh, Catholic beliefs and traditions, and he converted his life to that of Catholicism. After that, he wanted to be baptized. So he was baptized in the Catholic Church. And he had 500 army men. That was his personal security. They wanted to be baptized because they were committed to Ivan. Whatever Ivan did, we did. So they, too, wanted to be baptized. So the priests come by, taught them the traditions, taught them the beliefs, taught them uh, the catechisms, taught them about the Catholic Church. And they, too, were going to get baptized. When they went to get baptized, you had 500 men walking to the water, walking uh, to, the, to, to be baptized. They got in the water, and then something strange happened. While they were in the water getting ready to be baptized, they pulled their sword out of their sheath and held it up. And they were baptized, completely immersed, all except for their right hand and their sword. Why? Because they said, I can belong to God, but my sword belongs to war. Simply put, these guys were willing to follow Jesus with 90% of their life, but not with 100. A surrendered life is 100% life. Amen. A surrendered life, surrendered to God's word, surrendered to God's will, is a total commitment to trusting and following him and him alone. That's what God wants for you. That's what he asks of you. And trust me today, as someone who has relied on the Lord, much like many of you, he is worthy of our trust today. He is worthy of us putting our trust and faith and hope that he will take care of all of us today. Amen? Let's stand together. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you for your word. We thank you for these portions of scripture where we see Jesus Christ where he had the ability to control he chose surrender God my prayer today for my friends and family that are with us my prayer today is simple God help us to trust you right now 
Whatever we're facing, whatever we're going through, if we're on a mountaintop or in the valley, God, help us to trust you today. Help us to trust you with our life. Help us to trust you with our family. Help us to trust you with our finances. Help us to trust you with our health. Help us to trust you with our future. And help us to trust you with all eternity. Because God, today, you are more than enough to take care of us. Thank you, Lord, for being a God that cares, loves, and protects and takes care of his sons and daughters today. God, we love you, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.